You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Oh, great to have you in church. What a great vibe already set by UGA. Thanks very much for that. All the frivolity that we've had tonight. Hey, well, it's that time of year though, isn't it? It's Christmas time. We need to be fun and frivolous and enjoying life, right? Uh, hey, uh, talking of Christmas uh, pop quiz for you at the moment, where would these phrases have come from? Uh, the power of give, uh, bringing Christmas together and wow starts now. Has anyone heard those phrases around yet, seen them around? Yeah, 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 Hames. Maya. Maya. See, yeah, gold star. You've already got a few up in my office, so I'll get you another one tonight. From Maya. Maya, if you haven't heard uh, this year for last year, it was a lifeguard boy was their theme for Christmas. This year, Maya's Christmas marketing campaign is the power of give. And you see Jamiroquai, one of my favourite artists, uh, bopping around in the background uh, to Jen Hawkins and a whole heap of other people giving each other gifts and, oh, you give me something, something that nobody else can give. And uh, it it feels good, doesn't it? The power of give. It sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, Look, I... That's one job that I I really don't envy, being a Christmas marketing campaign manager. (laughs) <laughs> because how, how, do you, how do you come up with a concept each and every year to do with something that, look, let's be real about it, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, has nothing to do with what you fundamentally believe underneath. We've got to find a new way to put a new spin on Christmas this year. And you see, what is the power of give uh, for, for the Bible's version is that the God of the universe who, who loves you so much sends his own son, this gorgeous little baby into the world to, 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 to be with us and to grow up and to live and then to die a gruesome death on a cross. That's the Bible's version of the power of give. Maya's version of the power of give is a nice prezi. <laughs> how do we get to that? How, how, do, how do we get so worlds apart? And more importantly, like who is writing the Christmas story each year? Is it us or Saatchi and Saatchi? The ad people, you see, I'd say it every year. That's why last year we did the, the gospel according to the iTunes top 20. You see, the narratives of Christmas are always under cultural captivity. <laughs> that is the story underneath the story of Christmas is always being covered over by the marketing gurus. And here's why, because people, people want the principles of Christmas. They want the love and the joy and the peace They want the principles of Christmas, but they don't want the person of Christmas. You'll see those phrases all through the stores at Maya this week, but you're not going to find Jesus in a Maya catalogue. And so our question is, how do we engage that culture? And that's the premise of this series again this year, that under every great marketing campaign, under every great lyric, under every great story is an ultimate story. It's called the gospel. It's a story that every great marketing campaign points to. And so here's what we're going to do for the next three weeks. It's Advent season. We're going to do a bit of retail therapy. A little bit of play on on words. R-E hyphen tail therapy. Every week for the next three weeks, it's going to be my job to take the narratives of the marketing campaign of our three major retailers this Christmas. And aren't you glad that Woolworths is bringing Christmas together? I can't wait to... (laughs) So what would we do without Woolworths this Christmas? <laughs> I just, I'm at peace now. 
Um, we're going to take the marketing campaigns of every major retailer this Christmas and retell the story. And so tonight the question is, what if as a Christian you began to observe and reshape these narratives in your own life? You're going to be doing it while you're shopping, while you're talking to workmates. What if you were to take them and understand the story underneath the story a little bit better? And the other question is, if you're just checking this whole Jesus thing out, if you're not a believer yet, we're glad you're here. This is why we exist. But my question to you is, would you be willing to look long enough with us and deep enough with us to see the story of Jesus under each and every story? And that's what we're going to see in the reading. It's got to be about the shortest reading all year. It's one verse. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8, verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? It, it tells us that Christmas really is a season of giving. And so Maya's on the right track with that. But when they say the power of give, what is that? What is that? Look, when I look at the Bible, when I look at the story of the early church, whenever you read through the book of Acts and the end of Luke, you'll see more particularly in the life of the early church, we see that Christians are characterized by drastic giving that it is unmistakably drastic, that their generosity is of unreasonable proportions from from the world's point of view. You might say in many ways it was an unreasonable generosity to the outsider. It was like an engine that was driving this cycle of fervour in the countryside. Here's a quick example of the sort of giving that we're talking about. Acts chapter 4 verse 31 to 32 says, All the believers were one in heart and mind, And no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Sounds like GA had a biblical basis for us selling half of what you got if you become a member of the church. (laughs) But but they heard this message of Jesus and and it was so powerful. It was so nuclear in in its nature that they were able to give up everything they had. And what was that engine of success of the early Christians? How is it that they developed into the, one of the most powerful organisations in the countryside, spreading all through the Roman Empire, turning a very harsh and cruel pagan society into a compassionate and charitable society? How the heck did they do that? And it happened because of the power of give. It, it, it happened because there was an unreasonable and there was an unexplainable giving in their community. People on the outside looked at this and we said, we don't get this. Nobody gives their money away like this. Nobody gives away their possessions like this. What the heck is going on with these guys? And it wasn't just money. It wasn't just money. Remember, we to- I've told the story before in, in AD 252 in the Roman city of Carthage, a terrible plague broke out. And as all the people ran out to the hills in order to be saved and to stay away from the sickness, the very people that these Romans were bashing up and beating up and setting on fire and going crazy at, they were the ones not running out to the hills, they were the ones running back in. That they weren't just giving of their money and their possessions, they were giving of their lives. (laughs) Even to the point where the, the later Roman Emperor Julian who tried to stem this tide of Christianity in his countryside, in his disgust, disgust, wrote to one of his friends to talk about why the Christians were succeeding. And here's what he says. He says in this letter, he says, Their success lies in their charity to all. They take care of not only their own poor, 
but ours as well. Now, why am I quoting that? Why am I talking this through? It was a demonstration of the power of give. Are you hearing the story underneath the story? It sounds a little bit more than a nice, a nice marketing campaign. And so the question is, why were they like that? Why do Christians give in such a radically unreasonable, unexpected way? First reason is because we can. And you're saying, duh, of course we can. And I go, no, you can't. Uh, because Christmas, the, the, message, the Christmas message is, it's really like a, a subtle smack in the face. If you think about it, if you're willing to look at it a bit deeper, Christmas is a bit of a smack in the face. So it's not just the love and the joy and the peace stuff. Christmas says we're, we're all in big trouble. <laughs> we're all in big trouble. We, we, we get to know we're in trouble through the Christmas story the same way I got to know as a kid because when I used to muck around with my three other siblings down in the rumpus room, I could tell by how much I was pushing my luck with mucking around with them because we'd get a bit rowdy, get a bit crazy, a few tennis balls against the windows. And then, and then the, 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 I'd get my brother in a headlock or my sister in a headlock and there'd start to be a bit of screaming. And because we lived in a two-story house, you, could, you knew you were about to be in trouble when you could hear this. You could, you could, <laughs> and it would only take a couple of steps. I swear that he did it just to tell, get us to shut up. But... Um, but you knew you were beginning to get in trouble when you, did that. When, when you could hear the footsteps. You knew you were really, really in trouble when Dad came downstairs. <laughs> That's where you ran for the hills. <laughs> you see, Chris, Christmas says, look, world, humanity. <laughs> you might think life is going well, but you haven't been listening to the footsteps all throughout the years. And he might look like a nice little baby, but what is really going on at the message of Christmas is Dad's had to come down the stairs. I've had to come down into this world and I've had to come and sort and fix this thing up. And now when it comes to giving and the power of give, what is he fixing up? Here's what he's fixing up. Here's what the Bible's always telling you. That money and possessions, they have an inherent spiritual power over us. That they blind us to the precious things of God. You say, oh, they don't have power over us. What are you talking about? Oh, my little bro found five cents once on the ground. He spent about two or three weeks wandering around the house saying, I love my five cents. I love my five cents. I love my five cents. He'd even be in the bathroom. You could hear him echoing around the tiles. I love my five cents. I love my... Wherever he went, his five cents went. (laughs) And then, of course, Lord of the Rings, same principle, right? (laughs) The little guy called Gollum. My precious... They don't have power over us. Look, of course they do. The point of the Bible is everyone has a precious. That is, everyone has someone or something that you would die for in order to have. That life is not worth living unless you had that. And didn't Jesus always talk about that? Matthew 6, he says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's a fascinating statement. He doesn't say where your heart is, where your intentions are. Where your best idealistic thoughts are, your treasure will be. No, he, he says, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. We've all got a precious. I know you've got a precious. And these things, these precious things, 
have a power over us. And so what it means that outside the message of Christmas, God coming downstairs to fix this up, it's, we're not really talking about a true power of give because the power of give in world standards is always in some ways tinged by the power of get. Now, I'm sure you, you would never have done this at Christmas time, but if you, I, I sometimes find myself doing what I call gift analysis. It's like a, it's a, it's a self, it's just, it happens subconsciously. But gift analysis happens in case this happens to you this Christmas, and I'm sure it won't. But gift analysis happens where uh, someone gives you a present and you're expecting something, you open it up, and you somehow have this innate ability to work out the actual cost of every specific piece of material that went into this. And, and it all computes, almost like Robocop. It sort of goes through your mind and you, 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 you compute every aspect of this gift and then a warning light goes off and, and you say, this costs nowhere near close to what, I, what I'm about to give them. Because <laughs> the power of give is not really the, truly the power of give. There's always a little bit of the power of get outside of the message of Christmas. And so outside of that, that message, it's, it's, yeah, it's not truly the power of giving. Yet God in the person of Jesus comes down the stairs and he says, don't treasure the stuff around here. Don't treasure the stuff of the world. Treasure treasures up in heaven where moth and rust and thieves can't steal or destroy. He says, there is a beyond. There is something other than this. There is something other than your worldly precious that you desire at the moment. And he starts changing our perspective on time and our money and our possessions. And so we can step back and say, I can no longer be a slave to these things. That these things will no longer have power over me. And that is that first and foremost, we see our power to give comes from the perspective that money and possessions are not everything. We give because we can. We also give because it's all from God anyway. It all comes from God anyway. Do I go there? Do you reckon I go there again? My lick, lick of the ice cream principle. Have we heard that? Have we heard that enough? No. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Luke. Um, so I'm, da- I'm, down at, I'm down at Manly at Royal Copenhagen there on the Corso. And there's this little girl and I can see her just itching in the line for the ice cream and she's, she, she'd run out of the line and she'd go up and, and she'd look at all the sprinkles and I can have cone with sprinkles and I can have chocolate and I have cone with sprinkles and chocolate and I'm going to have that. And her mouth is just salivating and she presses her face up to the, up to the pane of the glass and all this butterscotch and oh no, I'm going to, I think I have boysenberry, yeah, I have boysenberry. No, I'm going to have chocolate, I'm going to have chocolate. And she, she, she finally orders this ice cream. My mouth is watering just watching the little girl, you know, I, don't, I just want an ice cream now. And, and, and she, she, she's waited so long to get this thing and, and the Royal Copenhagen person hands her this ice cream cone that seemed like it was about half of her physical size. <laughs> And you'd hope so for seven bucks fifty for a double scoop of ice cream, right? <laughs> and the thing that amazed me is that, is that before she even took so much of a lick of that ice cream, she looked up to her daddy and said, Daddy, would you like some of my ice cream? She obviously got 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 14, <laughs> where David, King David, says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. 
You see, Christians, when you understand the message of Christmas and of the Bible, recognize that everything comes from him. Everything comes from him. No matter how hard you work, everything is from God anyway. And because God is broken in at Christmas time, a Christian can still go to Meyer on Market Street on the corner of Market and George. And in the freedom and in the music and in the sense of the perfume section and in the freedom that we get to shop and in the sound of the carols and all of the music, we recognize that here in Sydney, Australia, that each one of those steps through the highly polished, wonderful tiled floors of that grandiose looking superstore, that every step that we take in that place might as well have been a step down beside that river in Madagascar, right? What do we call it again, Sarah? The complex. Friends, every step we take this Christmas could have been a step in the complex. Who are we to give as generously as this? A Christian says that every time they walk into the stores at Christmas, of course, you know where I'm coming from and where I'm going with this. Two worms fall from the sky, one into a crack in the cement and the other into a dead cat. Five days later, the poor worm from the crack in the cement turns to his brother and says, Dear friend, how is it? How is it that you are so successful? The other worm in the middle of the dead cat thinks for a second and he says, "Mm, Hard work and a sound strategic vision. Who gave you the brain? Who gave you the career? Who gave you the freedom? Who gave you the country? We live in a dead cat. We live in a dead cat. And our power to give as Christians comes from God anyway. Who are we to give as generously as is? We Christians give not just because we can, but we recognize that everything we have been entrusted with comes from God anyway. Finally, we we Christians give, we find the power to give because God gave first. You see, the message of Christmas is not that just that Jesus was born. The message of Christmas is that Jesus was given. He was given. It said in Romans 8.32, right? It says, he who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. He gives his son first for all of us. And you see, the power of give in the true sense, in the story underneath the story, it flows from a recognition of what you have already received. The power of give flows from a recognition of what you have already received. I learned that when I went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I went out, we were at the SCG. I was down there five rows from the front in the chili bowl, as it was called. (laughs) And I went, I went to go and buy some mates some drinks and I went up there to the bar at the SCG and got them a couple of drinks and I was just going to have a soft drink and hand over my card and get the drinks. There's four or five of them. It comes to something like $60. 60 bucks for like four to five drinks. And I was jumping for joy. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely was jumping for joy. And here's the reason, because my admission into the chili bowl was for free. You see, the, the, I bought the drinks, and maybe you've done this yourself. I bought the drinks because they got me the tickets in the first place. And so it was the least I could do, right, to go buy them a couple of rounds at that heinous 
exorbitant extortionist bunch called the SCG. And I say now, if I find out any Northsiders are working for the SCG... <laughs> uh, I was, I, was ju- I was jumping from joy because, look, you know, I was five ways for the front, the chili peppers. And it was biblical. They were singing it too. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Right? <laughs> so we based the message on gospel according to the chili peppers. <laughs> you know, like I could never have afforded to go to a concert like that. I, it's not just about affording it. I just never would have had the access to get down to the chili bowl, even if I could have afforded to go on there. So to pay 60 bucks for a couple of drinks, it was the least I could do. You've got to recognise the cost of what you've already been given. You're saying, what do, you, what do you mean the cost of what we've already been given? He gave up his only son. You've got to recognise the cost. A three-year-old can recognise the cost. It's because I've seen her do it. Little Ruby Doc Manovic, she, she was a member of our church here and it was one of our Christmas pageants. And I'm going to call it a pageant because Michael Thomas runs them. And uh, it is... <laughs> It was just a Christmas spectacular, the one that you've got to invite all your friends to this Christmas Eve because it's going to have all more pomp and fervour than it ever has this year. But Ruby was up the back and they were getting ready to do the whole nativity scene and she absolutely loses it. She is sobbing, she is crying, she is shaking with fear and she is screaming at Greer, her mum, saying, I don't want Timmy to be Jesus. I don't want Timmy to be Jesus. (laughs) Timmy was a little brother and Timmy... uh, pretty much got volunteered himself. He was a baby. He had no choice in it. (laughs) Timmy got volunteered to play baby Jesus in the nativity seat, right? She said, I don't want want Timmy to be Jesus. She's losing it. Because a three-year-old can get the gospel. A three-year-old can recognize the cost of the gift of Jesus. You see, Christmas is not just the, the only story. It's the beginning of the story. And the story is that this little baby grows up. Luke 2, 51 says he grew in wisdom and in stature and favour with God and with men. And he grows to be a boy and to be a teenager and to be an adult carpenter. And then he dies a gruesome death on a cross. No wonder she didn't want Timothy to be Jesus. And a three-year-old can get what it is to be a Christian. To be a Christian is when you can't bear the thought of your precious being crushed. And then suddenly it hits you and you feel what it's like for God to lose his. At the cross, God lost his precious. And for us as Christians, the power of give flows from a recognition of that cost of what we have received. You know, Jesus Jesus got you into the chili bowl. Jesus got you into that place where even if you could afford to buy a ticket... You couldn't purchase it. There were no tickets to get into that place. You know, you think, you think going to the Chili Peppers at the concert is a big deal. What, look at what it costs God to get you into his ultimate concert. And that is heaven. It's open to you tonight. The opportunity is there for you tonight. Jesus lived that life and took it to the cross so that you don't have to. And so you could get a life that we realistically don't deserve But our gratitude will flow. Our power to give will flow from a recognition of what it costs to become a Christian. Friends, the power of give comes from knowing God gave us what we could never purchase for ourselves. It's a gift. 
The message of Christmas is not that Jesus was, was, that he was born, it's that he was given. He was a gift to you tonight. And as I finish, there's three different ways that you can take a gift. Uh, there's three, three different ways. The, the first way is you can, you can be insulted by a gift, right? You know, imagine that you went and you, 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 you worked your little heart out for two months straight and you go to collect your paycheck and you're very proud of yourself and your boss says, here's your paycheck, but actually uh, for the past two months I've decided that this paycheck, it's not for the work that you've done, it's actually a gift. And you would say, hang on a minute. I, I worked for that. I earned that. This It's not a gift. I, I earned that. I did that. No, the boss says it's a gift. I'm, I'm calling it a gift. I'm not paying you for what you did. You see, the gift can be an insult. <laughs> and the way that you react to God's free gift of grace tonight, right now, actually will reveal to you secretly in the quiet the very nature and the condition of your own heart. You see, we call them religious people. We don't like religious people. They're the sort of people that think that they're working their way into heaven. And yet the boss has said, uh, it's nice you've done the work, but what I'm giving to you tonight is a gift. You can, you can be insulted by it. But the other thing that you can have with a gift is that you can be surprised by your gift. I was surprised by this gift. You see, this is, this is my 21st birthday present, this Bible. My best friend, he got a golf GTI. And at the time, I was, I was dirty. Let's just be real. I was dirty. I wanted a Golf GTI manual, 0 to 100 in first gear, and about one second. <laughs> you think the Bible does that? No. But I don't know about you as, as you mature in life. Some, are, some of the best gifts are the gifts that you receive, and you say to yourself, you know what? I, I never really wanted that. But now that life's gone on, that's exactly what I needed. Where do, you, where do you think my mate's Golf GTI 1999 or whatever it is, is these days? Probably on the back of a scrap heap. This, this is, this is, this is what, what you need. When you, when, you re- when you recognize that Jesus, you, you might be thinking that tonight. You might be looking at Jesus versus all the other things of the world and going, oh, I've, I've been punked here. Can I say to you, look, it's only, it's only going to take a, a matter of years, months for that matter. That's how you know that you're truly a Christian. Is that when you look at Jesus Christ and you, you end up saying, you know what? I never really wanted him at the time, but he's exactly what I need. And of course, the ultimate gifts, the ultimate gifts are the ones that are the most valuable, the most precious. They're the lotto Gifts. Remember, have you seen that ad for the lottery on the TV with the grandfatherly looking guy and the young mum in a backyard and they're having a barbecue and he hands her a piece of paper and she says, what is this, Dad? And he hands her the deed to their house and her eyes well up and she just can't, can't believe what she has received. You see, the most wonderful and the most precious gifts are the ones where you recognise that there's nothing in your own power and ability to have purchased it yourself. How do, you, how do you see Jesus as a gift tonight? Is he an insult? Do you think, I don't, really, I don't really want him at the moment. You're going to need him. But, but, but too, he, he's, he's the most wonderful and the most valuable gift 
that you can have? Do you want the power of give in your life this Christmas? Then receive him. Receive the ultimate gift. And when you do, there will be a power, there will be an engine, there will be a dynamic within you that will, will begin through you to set your friends and your family members and your co-workers on fire. That will change lives as you empty yourself, just as he did. God of glory, God of the universe, the baby in a manger. <laughs> That's the power of gift.